Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for this moment to spend time meditating on your goodness and your power and your kindness to us in Christ. We pray, Father, as we look at this psalm, you would help us to understand what it says, to be moved as the psalmist wants us to be moved, and to consider what it means for us in light of our Lord Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Well, comfort and security is what we're kind of been, going to be thinking about this morning. Um, I'm sure that some of uh, us will remember the evangelism seminar that Stan, one of our other assistants, ran a little while ago on helping us understand our cultural moment and those ideas of comfort and security came up in that. If you haven't seen it, you can find it on the St Mark's YouTube page, a great seminar to watch. In the seminar, Stan talked about how we live in the West with a pleasure-pain worldview. We live to maximise pleasure and minimise pain, a comfort-pain worldview. We long for comfort. And so the decisions that we make and the plans that we concoct are for comfort, for security, for contentment. Now, while living for comfort as our chief goal is not a good thing, comfort itself is not a bad thing. A stable life where we find comfort and stability is good. It's why we long for it. In the midst of our broken and unstable world, we do long for that security, don't we? We desire the comfort and stability of a secure world. I mean, consider those who in our world are currently experiencing the horror and instability of war. They rightly long for the day where they can be secure, safe, comforted. Comfort is not a bad thing, but of course it must not be the ultimate thing that we live for. And the real issue with that desire for comfort is where we're seeking our comfort and security. What or who do we look to in order to get that security and comfort? As an example, you know that phrase, that idea, comfort eating. To look at me, it's pretty obvious that I find my comfort in food. Um, where when life's crazy, a bit stressful, I think a tasty mouthful of food, that's going to make me feel better. It's going to ease all my worries. But those delicious treats, they offer a false comfort and security it's a momentary pleasure you know that saying a moment on the lips a lifetime on the hips (laughs) the food I thought would comfort me instead it leaves me with insecurity and pain and struggle of needing to deal with the consequence of being overweight we all look to things to provide comfort and security things that offer a false promise What are they for you? Money. If we have more money in the bank, then we'll be secure, we'll be able to enjoy life. Maybe it's health. We invest in our health, exercise, nutrition, mindfulness, mental health. If I can ensure that I'm ticking all these boxes, then life is going to be better. Friends, we look around to those, so we look to those around us to provide all that we need for support. They'll lift us up when we're feeling down. Now these things are not bad things, but to rely on them, to rely on them for comfort and security is a bad idea. Money doesn't ultimately give security and comfort. It can be lost. 
and the stress that we experience in seeking to gain more and more of it, well, that's not really a life of enjoyment and comfort, is it? The investment that we make into our health, good though it may be, may not protect us from sickness that comes. And sadly, friends don't protect against loneliness or give us all we need. Friends can let us down. These things are not bad things, but it's foolish to look to them to provide ultimate comfort and security. It's not what they're designed to do. So where should we look for comfort and security? Well, our psalm today shows that we should look to God for comfort and security. The psalmist does so as he helps us consider how God acts towards his people by considering Zion, God's holy city. And so as we read this psalm again, we're going to see how we consider how God protects Zion. The psalmist reminds us of how great the Lord is by describing God's city, Zion. Verse 1. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. It is beautiful in its loftiness. The joy of the whole earth like the utmost heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. The psalmist describes the majesty of God's city. Now, Sydney, the city, it's a beautiful city, isn't it? And it can be breathtaking when you catch a glimpse of the, of the harbour on those beautiful days, you know, the bridge the harbour running out to the sea, the opera house in the background. Sydney's a beautiful city. But the beauty of Zion, as described in this psalm, is not because of the loftiness, its stature, its breathtaking views, but verse 3, because the Lord, that God, sorry, its beauty is because God dwells in her. He is in her citadels. This is God's city, and so it is a fortress. The picture that came to mind is a castle, which is indefeatable. High and strong walls, a huge moat and drawbridge, arches perched on the tops of the walls, ready to protect the city. But this city is a fortress not because of the city itself and its structures, but because God is there. He is their comfort and security. And we see that play out over the next few verses, how God acts for the security of his city. Verse 4, when the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, pain like that of a woman in labour. He destroyed them like ships of Tarshish, shattered by an east wind. When the nations gather together to go up against God and his people, when they catch a glimpse of what they're up against, well, they, they panic and flee. They're gripped with fear when they come up against the living God. Their knees knock, their sword arms tremble. They break ranks and run. Like a ship tossed about by the powerful sea. They have no chance against God. And this description could be of one of many instances throughout Israel's history 
by the way that God protects his people. Multiple times God has acted to destroy huge and powerful armies easily. Easily they are defeated by God. His people victorious, protected. And so the, the, his people are witnesses of his protection of them. Verse 8, as we have heard, so have we seen in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God. God makes her secure forever. They have seen and heard the way that God has protected them, the way that he makes them secure forever. And so they feel real security in the city where their powerful God dwells. And this feeling of security and comfort is the the reaction the psalmist, I think, wants to elicit as the rest of the psalm unfolds. The psalmist encouraging people to meditate on who God is and, and how he has acted to save and protect them, to praise him for this. And the psalmist calls them to consider Zion and its city as a way of remembering their God and how he has powerfully acted to love and protect them. And as they consider that, they know real comfort and security. God is forever faithful and truly powerful in his protection of them. There's nothing that will be able to thwart his action to protect his people and provide for their good. This is who they are to look to for comfort and security. Their almighty God who protects them in his city. Zion. Surveying the city is a reminder of the security that the people have within her walls. But their security is not because of the walls, but because of the one who establishes and protects them. He is their faithful, loving God forever, who never changes, who cannot be defeated, who will never abandon them. This is where true security And comfort is found in our living and loving God. And the psalmist calls on the people to pass on this comfort and security that they find in God to the next generation. To let all know of the comfort and security that is found in God. The psalmist wants his readers to know the comfort of being God's people. Safe and secure in God's city, the fortress of Zion protected by the powerful living God. But as we read this for us in 2024, we can't look to Zion, can we, as the fortress of the Lord? God's city, Zion, Jerusalem, was destroyed. It was destroyed once before Jesus was even born and would be destroyed again in the century after his time on earth. And today, of course, Jerusalem, it's not a safe place to be the centre of war and conflict in our day. So, does that undermine the security and comfort we look to God for? The city is no longer protected. Does that mean that God's people aren't protected anymore? Well, the Zion that we come to is not the same as the Old Testament Zion, but rather we come to a heavenly Zion, open to us in Christ. And it is here in the heavenly Zion, that we experience the protection, the security, and the comfort that the psalmist describes. 
So as readers of this psalm today, we consider how Christ, the King of the heavenly Zion, protects us. The protection that God offers his people is a protection that's ultimately seen in Christ. He is the great King of Zion who defeats all enemies and so protects his people. Jesus is the King of Psalm 2 who sits on his throne in Zion and laughs at the feeble attempts of of his enemies. Jesus defeats all enemies as God's king. The enemies of evil, of sin, of death. The the enemy of evil defeated by Jesus' power and goodness. In Jesus' ministry, the, the demons flee from him, terrified. Remember that the great crowd of demons... They rush to enter into a herd of pigs and then race to their death by drowning in the lake. So terrified they are of Jesus' goodness and power. Evil has no chance against Jesus. Or the enemy of sin, which we know is defeated by Jesus' death on the cross. Our sin is the enemy that we all have who works against us. Sin, our evil desire to go against our Creator, to call the shots instead of listening to him. This enemy, our sinful desire, not only leads us to go against what God deems as good, but then lets us face its consequences, death and God's judgment. But the good news is that Jesus has defeated this great enemy at the cross, dying to take the punishment that we deserve. And Jesus also defeats the enemy of death in his death and resurrection. Jesus defangs death in his resurrection, removes its sting. Jesus has defeated all enemies. But that's not all. We know that Jesus will return as ruler and judge over all. He will establish his rule and victory completely and ultimately when he returns. And he will defeat all opposition when he does so. He will defeat all who oppose him, all who have failed to acknowledge his rule. All people will face Jesus as God's powerful risen king. And just like the enemies in the psalm, we're told in Revelation that God's enemies will tremble with terror at meeting their creator without having made amends in Christ. Friends, please do not let this be you. If you're not currently right with Jesus, then you will face him as his enemy on that day. You don't want this. Jesus is the one who has the power to control the waves that so easily destroy. And he is coming to call people to account for how they have treated him in this life. If you do not yet bow the knee to him, you need to come to him today, seeking forgiveness for ignoring him. Otherwise, you will face his judgment. So come to him. Enter his heavenly Zion, where there is comfort and security. Pray to God to say sorry for your sin. Acknowledge Jesus as the king and commit to live for him. For those who come to him and enter Zion, those who from all nations stream to him, he will protect from all enemies, from evil, from sin, even death. 
for all those who have come to Jesus can know the comfort and security that the psalmist describes here. In the midst of an unstable world, this is the comfort and security that will not let us down. Ultimate comfort is found in Christ. The sure promise of protection from all enemies, of peace with our powerful and loving God, of security found in the faithfulness of our Heavenly Father towards us, His unfailing love shown to us in Christ forever and ever. And so how do we keep remembering that real security and ultimate comfort is found in Christ and not in the passing things of this world? Well, we do as the psalmist suggests. We meditate on what we have seen and heard. We remember God's goodness shown to us in Christ, the security known in his embrace rather than the slippery treasures of this world. We need to remember remember our God, our fortress, by reading his word. As 2024 begins, we need to find comfort in our God by continuing to spend good, deep time in his word, reminding ourselves again and again of who he is and what he's done for us in Christ and having those other false securities and comforts that our world offers exposed for what they are, false securities and comforts. There's lots of ways to you know, dig deep into God's word. It's, you know, if you find it tricky to find that regular thing, maybe follow a reading plan. Set yourself a goal this year that you're going to read through the whole Bible. It's a big deal in the year, but maybe over a couple of years. Um, one of something that someone shared um, last week at our afternoon congregation is listening to the Bible. He found is a helpful way to keep him um, accountable to that. There's lots of podcast-style Bible reading options available. We need to keep considering how we are protected in Christ and know the deep comfort and security that's found in that. And not only do we hold on to that deep truth and find comfort in that truth, But just as we have heard, we tell others of him. The psalmist encourages his readers not only to meditate and find comfort in their protector God, but to tell of God to the next generation. We have the ultimate news of comfort in the good news about Jesus. We have seen and heard. And so we too need to tell it to the next generation. And so as this year starts, who are those who we might can be telling the good news to? When the psalmist mentions the next generation, the children in our community, perhaps grandchildren, we have a responsibility in our church, all of us do, to ensure that the next generation know the comfort and security that is found in Christ as they know the gospel. So how are we going to go about doing this? Firstly, to the parents among us, that means our own kids. We need to ensure that we're doing all we can to help our children grow as disciples of Christ. We need to be as diligent in teaching our children the gospel and modelling our lives for Christ as we are in making sure they do their homework. This is our responsibility. We can't just delegate our children's spiritual growth to Kids Church or Forge. But Kids Church, Kids Plus, Forge, as well as the other 
uh, things that we have are useful resources, helpful resources for us, supports for us. As parents or grandparents, we need to take responsibility, but we should also be making the most of these things as well. Partnering with those children's, uh, kids' church leaders and youth group leaders to ensure that our children know the gospel. And we can help pass on the good news to the next generation with other kids as well, not just our own. Sharing the good news and encouraging these kids who are in church with us or those who are in your life. Seeking to take the time with the kids in our church, not just to talk about sort of nothings and fun stuff, but about the gospel. What are they learning in kids' church? Who are they seeking to tell about Jesus? What can you pray together about? And this good news is not just for those inside our community, this next generation, but the psalmist tells us that the praise of God reaches to the ends of the earth. Telling people about God and his goodness is news that goes to the nations, to us and to those around us. So who are we planning to tell the good news to? Did you have any good conversations over the Christmas period with people? Now's the time to follow up. Maybe choose to commit to praying for particular people this year. That God would be at work in them and that he would be giving you opportunities to share the gospel. And then look for those opportunities to talk with them about spiritual things. At the uh, evangelism training course we had at the end of last year, a really piece, a helpful piece of wisdom was to speak with those, you know, those non-Christians in our lives the same way that we would to Christians. We tend to self-censor, to sort of remove the religious or spiritual language out of our vocabulary when we talk to those around us. Don't do it. Share with those friends about how you're excited about what you're learning from God's word or about how thankful you are to God for how he's acted. Speak with those and don't self-censor. Plan to invite people to something where they will meet other Christians or something where the gospel will be preached. You know, you could invite them to a church event so they can hear the gospel there. Or you could, you know, if you're planning a social thing, invite some non-Christian friends and some Christian friends. Evangelism is a team sport. We do it together. And then ask those friends, be bold and ask them, are there questions they have about spiritual things? Do they want to investigate further? Invite them to come along to church. Fine, if they've got a bunch of questions, maybe say, oh, why don't we grab a coffee and I can try and answer some of them. And you know what? You don't need to answer all them. Just write them down and then do some research and come back later and answer them. Take Craig with you. Or, <laughs> or take a Christian friend with you. We do this together. And then as we do this, we need to remember that we offer our friends and our family News that they want. Good news that they want. Good news about where ultimate comfort and security is found. It's not found in the other things that they're striving in. The good news about the comfort and security that we long for is found in Christ. He is the one who offers us ultimate comfort, true security. Security and comfort as he defeats all enemies and welcomes us to live with him in the heavenly Zion.
So friends, let's delight in this comfort and tell others about it. I'm just going to wait till the bike goes. Let's delight in this comfort and tell others about it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have protected us in Christ, that you have defeated all our enemies and welcomed us to live with you in comfort and security in him. Help us to look to you for this comfort and security rather than believing the false promises of our world and where comfort they think comfort might be found. We ask that you would help us to meditate on your scriptures and be comforted in what we read there and challenged about places where we have looked um, false sorry where we have trusted in the false things that promise security. We ask that you would go before us and that you would work in those we share the gospel with, that they would come to Jesus for salvation and know the comfort and security that he offers. And we ask this, that that your name might be praised in all the nations. Amen.